All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Welcome back to part two of our New Year's Eve countdown. Coming in at number 10 is Jonathan Fink. He brought a whole new level of energy to the show as we had the chance to interview him about his book, The Baseball Gods Are Real. This interview was a real turning point for us in our show. In addition to discussing his fascinating findings, we delved into the topic of synchronicity, which became a pertinent theme for our podcast throughout the rest of the year. Well, this this book, um, volume three, was a little different than my other books. And by the way, I've also I also have a music series called The Music Gods Are Real, which we can get into because all my books have spirituality and paranormal unexplained things in them. So what I find is that my books are kind of a vehicle to talk about spirit. And whether it's about music or baseball, the material just keeps coming. And so with volume three, it was a little different. It was, it's a true nonfiction research-based book where as I've been collecting stories and pieces of information all, all through the years, then when I had enough material, I was able to create, create this book. But the rest of my books are all nonfiction true life stories based on my adventures with the music gods and the baseball gods, which is a, a nice word for spirit, all, all things paranormal unexplained. And I plan on writing books about investing in politics, some of my other interests. But baseball was a great uh, topic and a great vehicle to use because so many paranormal things happen in baseball. And baseball is so interconnected with the United States and American history and culture. I noticed you know you, you were in that that Cubs you know that Cubs shirt 108 years to win a World Series they were cursed they had to break that curse so these are these are things where you know we 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 all know about curses and we know about these paranormal miracles and stuff but we all can relate to baseball so when these these, when these paranormal events happen in baseball it it's special and you know I have my son who is a feature you know, main character if you will in most of my in most of my baseball adventures. And I say I'm keep writing more books because his road to the show as a baseball player continues. He's only in eighth grade. He's now getting letters from colleges, inviting him to showcases and camps. And so every time he gets another invitation to go on a trip, that's another baseball god adventure. And without a doubt, everywhere we go, we seem to have what I call baseball god moments. These experiences that are serendipitous and um, and they're, it's syn- synchronistic and it's hard to explain how they happen when they do you know it's you know it's the real deal so so yeah so that so this book was research-based and i'm also moving on to some fictional stuff as well but um but yeah i i i felt the need to share these stories like all your guests and what through all your podcasts these true life stories resonate and you know you're building up a body of evidence right you know all these unexplained things and my book is chock full of un- unexplained events you know, and um, but again, it's not just baseball. It's also music. It's really everywhere. But certainly, yeah, baseball is a fun area to really dig in and, and explore those uh, those paranormal moments. Um, it's almost like we're living in this holographic simulation, this 3D reality we call you know life, this, this world, this planet we're living in, planet Earth. And so the idea is that spirit or God, however you want to use these terms, it's everywhere, all encompassing all the time. 
But what I found is that, you know, for most of my life, I was an atheist. And when you're an atheist, you can't open your heart and mind to spirit. And so you don't expect miracles to happen in your life. Life crisis in 2012, I got into yoga and meditation. And it, it wasn't until the meditation became a big part of my life that I sort of opened that portal, right? That portal to spirit where you can have a direct relationship with, with God or spirit, however you want to call it. And then once you open up that portal, it continues to flow, whether you're seeing angel numbers, you know, just yesterday, my son mentioned he might want to play baseball for Coastal Carolina. And then today he got a letter in the mail from Coastal Carolina inviting him to a baseball camp. How's that even possible? Right. And the way it's possible is because my son, who is, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful boy, but he's also very spiritual. He's very connected to the universe. He meditates, he prays, he gets it. Right. And so he is learning to manifest and when we get to witness these these moments, like he literally mentions Coastal Carolina, and then the next day we get a letter in the mail. I mean, how's that even possible unless there's something going on beyond this reality? And so, so I'm not sure I have any of the answers like some of your guests. They just have experiences, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But I am trying to get to that uh, that conclusion of what is this mystery? Why are these things happening? And how do you tap into it? And how that the flow kind of comes and goes. You know, when I when I write. In a way, I feel like I'm channeling, right? You hear about these channelers who, you know, speak in front of thousands of people and they're channeling a spirit entity. I don't channel a spirit or entity, but I'll be honest with you, when I'm when I'm writing, it's late at night, I got the candles on, I've just done a meditation, and then I just start typing and the ideas just start to come and they start to flow. I really have no explanation for that, right? I mean, the same way when someone sees a UFO for the first time, it's unexplainable. But once you kind of open that Pandora's box, then yeah, how do you not want to keep being a seeker? trying to figure out what what is going on here you know and how how are my loved ones who have passed away able to send me signs you know and and somehow interact with us in this reality when someone should be dead right and maybe the idea that death is something that we misunderstood maybe death is something different maybe when we die it's a different vibrational frequency right and just like gravity you can't see gravity but you drop a book and you know on your foot you know it you know you know gravity is real so this is, this is the adventure that, that I'm on. This is Smitty Maves coming in at number nine in our countdown as Detective Scott Lunsford, the real-life molder from the X-Files. I was on patrol checking out. I think may cover two things here i was uh we were having problems at a cemetery uh a, a different cemetery on uh beaver dam road and we were kids were up there people were up there parking and vandalizing tombstones and this and the other so it became part of my regular midnight patrol to go up there and, and go around and check on things and i was up there doing that and uh checked a mausoleum to make sure that nobody had done any uh, vandalism to it. I was walking back to my car and looked back over the mountain and this ball of yellow and red lights rose up over the mountain, over the tree line. It stayed there for just a brief second and then moved over like a submarine. It's kind of disappeared behind the tree line. And uh, I actually used that in uh, my girl's book where they're looking for UFOs, that story, a variation of that. And uh, I thought 
well, that's weird. And I called my dispatcher and asked that if the medical air ambulance had possibly been flying and I thought maybe it had gone down and maybe it was auto gyrating down, uh, having problems or something. And uh, I had it marked where exactly where it went down and uh, they checked with the airport and they checked with the hospital and there was nothing in the air at that time over that. It was not fireworks. It was not, there was no helicopter sound. I don't know what it was, but you know, the thing that struck me most about that particular case, this was before uh, we had the 800 megahertz radios. We operated on a regular FM radio system. And I called my dispatcher on the radio and told her on a side channel what I had seen and said, can you check and see, make sure we don't have an aircraft problem. And before I got out of the cemetery, made my rounds all the way through it and got back down to the main road, there was a traffic jam. And this is two or three o'clock in the morning of people down there on Beaver Dam Road, parked beside the road with binoculars looking. They had heard it on the scanner late at night. They were up at two o'clock in the morning listening to the police. Do. <laughs> the place was crowded and they I got flagged down. People wanted to know, where did you see it go down? Where did you see blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it, nobody gave me a hard time about it, but especially those guys, because they, they heard it. They, they wanted to come see too, see possibly if they could see something. But it, it always struck me that uh, they just naturally assumed that there was something there and they wanted to come see it too. And a whole bunch of them did. A bunch of cars were down there. The traffic was really was nuts for three o'clock to two, three o'clock in the morning on Beaver Dam Road. So that was interesting. And uh, another case uh, or another situation, uh, we have a hotel downtown, uh, the Battery Park Hotel. There was a homicide that occurred in that uh, particular hotel back in the 20s. And there's been a couple of suicides off of the hotel. And uh, it's very tall. And uh, we would get calls sometimes at three o'clock in the morning from people that were hanging out downtown. And they were, they saw and swore up and down that they saw somebody jump from the roof of the building and hit the ground. And I'd get out there and talk to them. And they, some of them, yes, some of them were intoxicated, but uh, some of them weren't. And they swore up and down that they saw a body fall and go and look, there would be nothing there. And this would have happened at the next, yes, multiple times. The Battery Park Hotel. Yeah, it's, it's apartments now. It's apartments right now. So uh, another place the same thing happened would happen would be the um, uh, Jackson building uh, downtown next to the police station. And supposedly a gentleman during the uh, start of the Depression leaped from the top roof of the building there and landed in front of the building and killed himself there in the city in their wisdom not knowing exactly where supposedly it happened they built a really nice round circle monument in the bricks there it's almost like a target and uh one of the old guys that that had up there told me that that's 
he remembered it happening. And that's where the, the where the guy landed was where the city put that party, that circle in bricks. I, he thought that was hilarious. Well, you talk to anybody. There's a fantastic sub shop and restaurant basement there of the Jackson building. If you get a chance, go by, get you something to eat. Great food. And they will tell you, you unusual things have, that have happened there and things that they have seen, looked up and seen somebody at the counter and then looked away and then looked back up and that nobody in the room at all that looks like the person that they saw and nobody left at that time period. And nobody may, nobody saw it or maybe another person saw it and they don't know where that person is either. Uh, there's all kinds of unusual occurrences uh, along those lines in Asheville. We got a, there's a bunch of haunted stuff out there. There's like two or three of them from what they've told me. I've not seen them, but what they've told me, there, there was two or three individuals that they see on a fairly regular basis. So who am I to say? If you'd like to check out more from Detective Scott Lunsford, you can visit scottlunsfordauthor.com. There you'll find his books, contact information, and podcast. Coming in at number eight on our countdown is an acclaimed horror author who joined me for the NAP conference, a first-of-its-kind cryptozoology panel. Arthur Blake Best is number eight, and you can check him out on Twitter at BlakeBest1428. Well, first, let me just say that pseudoscience is there's a completely negative connotation surrounding that. And, uh, and they say the same thing about parapsychology, you know, and it's a way for someone to write off something that they don't understand. And I think that is a problem that we as enthusiasts, writers, believers, people that do this for a living, this is something that we see every day in some form or fashion, in some measure, whether small or large. I mean, we see, Oh well, that's the that's the guy that writes about the the dinosaurs that live in the water, you know. That's that's the yeah, that's Blake. That's that's Mr. Freddy Krueger over there. Don't go over there and talk to him, or go over there and talk to him. He's a certifiable lunatic, but you'll have a good time, you know. It, it's it, what it is is I think that and and I feel like Becky, you know, feels I think she really articulated it and made a great point that until some of these people have an experience of their own they're going to always feel like what we do is something that is to be poked fun at or farcical, not, not something that should be taken legitimately seriously, but that's not true because as I said earlier, and I'm sure you both know it well, the coelacanth is just one example. Uh, that was a crypt, it's a cryptozoological mystery that was proven to have existed. It was alive, very much alive, way after it was supposed to not be alive anymore. So that, that itself is proof positive that things like that can exist. If it can happen once, it can happen again. And I hear the argument over and over again about the Marianas Trench. You know, everybody always talks about, well, you know, this, that, and the other, and, you know, it's one day, no. No, we're never going to be able to completely explore every inch of these oceans. We're never going to. Uh, the law of physics is against it. I mean, we didn't even the Titanic until 1985, and and you know the pressure where the, the Titanic lies in the ocean 
is two and a half miles down and 6,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Uh, unless you're in a submersible or Superman, you're not down there, um, you know, to see it. So uh, technology is limited, but our imagination isn't. And I think that once we keep the belief alive that there's a possibility, cryptozoology will always maintain a place in 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 our lives and in our society because pop culture, like I said, with the X Files, with other shows like Forever Night, you know, it goes on and on. There's all these other shows, these culture that that keep the idea of of national keep the idea that that it, our science only goes far. There comes a point where science and what you see with as they don't mix together because logically you're not supposed to go in the woods and see a Bigfoot. Logically, you're not they're not recognized as being an actual to some people, but to us they are very much recognized because with our own with our own eyes and we've heard them with our own ears and we know people that have seen them and we know people that have seen the lake monsters and seen alien mad gassers and the beast of Exmoor and the jersey devil and the worm i mean it goes on and on the world is full of these mysteries and i think that what we do should not be taken as being farcical so no matter uh if you've seen it if you've seen it they've seen it or even in this well, I went to the, I went to the, you know, the, you know, a hundred dollars in groceries. Yeah, well, I went and bought five hundred. There's always got to be that one ups another person. We're so focused on that that we we lose the beauty and what goes on around us. We, we we're too busy arguing with uh, with each other to see the monster in Lake Champlain put its head up out of the water and spit water at us. Uh, distracted to see the Bigfoot jumping out from behind the trees. We're too distracted to look up in the sky and see the unidentified flying objects were just by other things and i think as long as we stay distracted as a collective whole there's not going to be a wide belief in it but there are those few of us that keep our eyes on the water our eyes in the woods and our eyes at the stars and those of us that do that are going to see some amazing coming in at number seven on our list is a published author and freelance writer, as well as an artist. The lovely Donna Campbell Smith is one of our fellow North Carolinians. We had a great time chatting with her about her new book called My Neighbors from the Woods, which is a Bigfoot themed fictional story. Have a listen. believed that there was a critter out there a bigfoot like critter and that came from my daddy like we said um he listened to late night on the radio and um he would tell us stuff he had heard you know about bigfoot on there and i think he got you know he read the men's mag true and a couple of the men's magazines and there'd be stories in those but um he um I wrote about this in one of my articles. He um he talked about a wild man that lived back. He was from upstate New York is where he grew up and lived all his life till he went in the army. Um, this wild man. And um, 
he would have nightmares about wrestling this wild man. And one night, he was just moaning and groaning and tossing and turning. And Mama reached over, grabbed him by the shoulder to wake him up. And when he did, he put her in a hammerlock because <laughs> he was wrestling that wild man. So she said, you go ahead and have your nightmares from now on. I'm not waking you up. But um, so when I was doing some research and came and I the small town monsters on YouTube channel, they go back and talk about some of these um some of these old stories about wild men and Bigfoot and the hairy man or whatever in different parts of the country. And um they had talked about upstate New York. So I was just Googling around and came across this story a newspaper clipping that was from the 1930s. I can't remember the year, but it was about several sightings of this, what they called a hairy wild man. So I'm wondering, daddy would have been a young teenager at that time that maybe he read or, you know, people were talking about those stories and maybe that's where his thing about the wild man came from. And I didn't ask questions. There's, you know, you got questions, ask them before your parents are gone because, I, I didn't know anything about daddy's side of the family lineage or anything. And I'm, you were taught when I was a child to be seen and not heard. So you didn't break in adult conversations and ask questions. So I didn't. And now I wish I had. <laughs> I could have when I got older. I don't know. He didn't ever say that he did. I think he would have told us if he had. Them. By the way, Deborah's my daughter. She's my youngest daughter. <laughs> she knows who I'm talking about. But um, but no, I just I have a feeling that him being a teenager at that time and you know imagination and curiosity running away with you that that made an impact on him, and he passed it on to me. <laughs> I made a uh, I did an article with top ten ways to know if you have a Bigfoot. So I went through each of those. Those things and all, but the ones that make the impact to me are the are the people who have seen them. There can't be that many people have seen something and, and there not be any truth to it. So, and and a lot of these attributes like the the peacefulness or whatever, I can relate that to to bears because this woman that I was telling you about, Kay Grayson. I mean, she fed them. She went to restaurants. She lived, uh, she'd go to Manio to get supplies. Somebody would take her. She didn't drive. Um, you know, go to the barbecue joints and get the scraps and stuff and go to the uh, those places where they sell the day-old bread. So she fed them, you know, so they, you know, and they're opportunists like all wildlife. They're going to take the easiest route to food. So I would think a Bigfoot wouldn't be any different. We go looking. We go looking for bears, and and if a bigfoot were to show up, that would be awful fun. I think about some of the things. Some of the questionable signs of bigfoot for me are the um, the structures, the trees that are leaning against other trees, and if you drive through Terrell and Hyde County, mainland Dare County, you're gonna see all kinds of configurations of trees laying on another tree or i mean and then sometimes it looks like something could have made it but that's the wind the rain the snow the wind can do amazing things i took a picture we have a bluegrass festival up here in franklin county every year 
and uh, it's on like a 900 acre farm. And so one of the fun things is to ride around in golf carts and there's little trails through the woods and stuff. And I took a picture of this tree that had fallen on another tree and split, split it right down the middle. Like that tree opened up in one. And that's pretty amazing. It's like, how in the world did that happen? But I don't think that Bigfoot did it. Crows, birds, lots of things go up in the trees. <laughs> well, I would, one of my favorite YouTube channels is the Dixie Cryptid. And he had one of the experts on his show, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But he ended with saying, not everything you see and hear in the woods is Bigfoot. So I thought that was pretty, pretty true. <laughs> pretty true. But you don't know, like you say. But uh, I just like, I like the ones, the eyewitness accounts. Those are the ones that impress me more than all the other little signs. And here's another thing that makes me wonder, even about the eyewitness accounts, is if you announce you're going to have an expedition, you know, you put it all out there on the internet and everything and where you're going and all that. I mean, I think there'd be somebody that would just have to, you know, dress up and go out there and try to scare somebody. Closing out our countdown for this week is the talented Sean Alston from the Sean Alston Band. He joined us for a little unexplained Christmas trivia and shared some of his upcoming music with us. You can find the Sean Alston Band on Facebook. And now here's Sean Alston himself closing out this week's countdown at number six. Let's listen to this song from the, is it the Austin Band or the Sean Austin Band? The Sean Austin Band. Sean Austin Band. Awesome. Can't wait to hear it. This is a little clip from his Christmas song, original title, Rejoice. And then we'll be happy to have Sean Austin himself join us. Here we go. This is a little clip from Rejoice by the Sean Austin Band. a great song that's a super fun song to jam along to i wasn't sure when tim throws things at us like somebody's joining the show i thought it might be kind of scary but that was fantastic well thank you i appreciate that so sean where you can know, we find the rest of your music uh you can find it on apple music spotify uh, all the streaming services and got a brand new single coming out probably first of this coming year 2021 so awesome. excited about that can you and tell so, us the name of that single, Austin? Yeah, that single is going to be called Rattle My Cage. 
I'm excited cool. about that one. And I have to tell y'all, if, if he gives me permission, I'm going to play a, a clip of that. He was nice enough to let me hear it. And it is yeah. awesome. It It is bluesy and rocking and gritty and dark. I mean, it's a mix of everything <laughs> that you want. And it could easily fit. There's a station I like on Sirius XM Radio. Austin, maybe you've listened to it before. It's called Red Hot and Blues. And it is just Oh, yeah. Fits right in there. All right, Sean, you're going to join us for this Christmas madness. You ready to dive into some trivia here with us? It's time for the grand selection of our number one overall movies of the Christmas season. I think I'll let Mr. Alston give us his number one overall movie. I'm praying he steals one of y'all's answers. Mr. Alston, what do you think? I know it's putting you on the spot a little bit. Uh, it's it's cool. I'm I'm kind of an oldie, I guess. It's, like, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. That's a classic for sure. I actually brought my "It's a Wonderful Life" hat tonight, just in case. <laughs> good, good answer, Mister Austin. And you know what? I hate to say it. I honestly did not think anybody would say that, so I didn't get a clip. Of it. <laughs> I bet Jimmy Stewart's rolling over in his grave with you wearing that hat. But anyhow. Well, frankly, Smitty, I don't really care. Is that, is that from It's a Wonderful Life? I, no. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that was Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Oh, another Christmas classic. All right, CJ, going back to you. Oh, You're number yes. one overall. Elf. I love Elf. Elf. Let's hear from you. I could watch Elf every day. Ow! Son of a nutcracker! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's too good. Son of a nutcracker. I do like Elf. (laughs) That is a legitimately funny Christmas classic there. Little Buddy the Elf. Pretty sure she stole one off your list too, Smitty. Yes, she did, and that means she's a cotton-headed ninny mug. Isn't that what he called it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we just all get along? <laughs> I guess I'll pick Santa Claus too now. Oh come on! I've already I'm gonna, you already picked Santa Claus too. You can't pick multiple sequels in your top five. Did I? Come on. <laughs> oh, three. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. Man, I now I've forgotten my, my. She screwed I'm me sure up. You loved, my number one. I, I'm sure you <laughs> loved Jingle All the Way with Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jingle All the Way. That didn't make your list. No, I did not. This, that's that a good did one. Not make my list. I actually where, don't really care for Christmas movies that much, but whatever. That's where he says oh, it's not right. a tumor. No, that was kindergarten. <laughs> uh, it's not a tumor. Uh, Garbage of California. It's a ferret. Uh, Smitty, I'm going to pick a, a top movie for you since you're unprepared. Okay. Uh, I am prepared. You just see. threw me off picking my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Here's your favorite movie of all time, Smitty. Okay. <laughs> you know me so well. Aren't you finished painting that yet? There's a oh. a mile wide behind you. What's eating you, boy? Not happy. I did write that down. Yes. 
What? I just don't like to make toys. No, well, if that's all, what? You don't like to make toys? What do you want to be? Herbie doesn't like to make toys. 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 Do you mind telling me what you do want to do? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? <laughs> well, we need one up here. I, can... I want to be a dentist. That that was the <laughs> longest and worst clip I've ever been. That was Rudolph to. the Red Nose. I put <laughs> Rudolph on my list and I forgot it. I apologize. I need to start writing this stuff down. All right, Tim, share us your number one. I know you've been dying. My uh, number one, let's see, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, I think I'll have to go You can't eeny, meeny, miny, moe your favorite Christmas movie. What is this nonsense? Hey, preparation leads to success. My number one, here we go. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? We need a Christmas tree. Boo. Christmas tree. That's a Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Oh, listen to that sweet voice. Sean Austin from the Sean Austin Band. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, us and letting Sean. us play Good some of your you. Christmas music. Thank Check out the Sean Austin Band at facebook.com backslash Sean Austin Band. From COVID 2020 to December 2021, that's our guest 10 through 6 of our top 15 New Year's Eve countdown. I'd like to say special thanks to all the unexplained ones for making our first year so amazing. We've had so much fun on this journey. We've made it up to the top 25 on the science podcast charts. We even got nominated for a podcast People's Choice Award. On behalf of CJ and Smitty, thank you. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. To help keep us going, please be sure to visit patreon.com backslash all things unexplained. Our Patreon patrons get early access to podcasts as well as exclusive audio and video clips. Or you can find us on Venmo under the business accounts. Just look for at Bigfoot UFO. Additionally, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com backslash unexplained. If you can't get enough of us, go ahead and check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained. To be continued.